Welcome to Keith Knight Don't Tread on Anyone in the Libertarian Institute. Here is a summary of the last two public addresses given by Vladimir Putin, starting with February 24th, 2022. Citizens of Russia, friends, I consider it necessary today to speak again about the tragic events in Donbass and the key aspects of ensuring the security of Russia. I will begin with what I said in my address on February 21st, 2022. I spoke about our biggest concerns and worries and about the fundamental threats which irresponsible Western politicians created for Russia consistently, rudely, and unceremoniously from year to year. I am referring to the eastward expansion of NATO, which is moving its military infrastructure ever closer to the Russian border. The reason this is important is because in 1990 to 1991, there were a series of meetings between the American Secretary of State, James Baker, and Mikhail Gorbachev. According to these meetings, both the American and Russian side had agreed that if Germany was reunified and taken out of the East Germany versus West Germany, where the East was controlled by the Soviets, that NATO would not expand. Just as the Cuban Missile Crisis was the result of Americans not being happy with the Soviets having missiles in Cuba because the U.S. had first placed missiles in Turkey, it's too much of a threat. The example that Pat Buchanan uses is, imagine if Russia had been funding the Mexican military and training them and running war exercises and put a bunch of Russian troops on the border and Russia is known for engaging in regime change wars. The American military would uh, would never let that fly. So here are the countries that have come into NATO in violation of the American agreement. Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Albania, Croatia, Montenegro, and North Macedonia. Here is the current Ukrainian president on NATO. Ukrainian president also told a joint news conference with the German chancellor, of course we'd like to become members of NATO. It's stipulated in Ukraine's constitution. So herein lies the important provocation. Another piece of work by Patrick Buchanan. I'll, I'll get back to the uh, Putin summary speech. Pat Buchanan wrote this about the Second World War. It's important to know that when you're looking at the benefits, let's say the benefit of getting Russia out of Ukraine, what is the cost of doing so? There's two sides to every coin. At what cost? Let's say we get what we want. Are the Ukrainians much better under the Ukrainian government than the Russian government? All of this has to be weighed. How many lives is it going to cost? How much property is going to be destroyed? Here's Pat Buchanan taking on the, or committing the heresy of questioning what is referred to as the good war. So this is the one that the West says is so vitally necessary, we can't, ha we can't even have a discussion on how necessary this war is. So this should give us an indicator as to uh, what we should look at in future wars. On September 1st, 1939, 70 years ago, the German army crossed the Polish frontier. On September 3rd, Britain declared war. Six years later, 50 million Christians and Jews had perished. Britain was broken and bankrupt. Germany, a smoldering ruin. Europe had served as the site of the most murderous combat known to man, and civilians had suffered worse horrors than the soldiers. By May 1945, Red Army hordes occupied all the great capitals of Central Europe. Vienna, Prague, Budapest, Berlin. A hundred million Christians were under the heel of the most barbarous tyranny in history. The Bolshevik regime, 
of the greatest terrorist of them all, Joseph Stalin. So the war for Polish independence gave Poland to Stalin. Putin goes on to say why he believes that the American military is a hostile force as opposed to a, a complementary one. Properly speaking, the attempts to use us in their interests never ceased until quite recently they sought to destroy our traditional values and force on us their false values that would erode us, our people from within, the attitudes they have been aggressively imposing on their countries, attitudes that are directly leading to degradation and degeneration because they are contrary to human nature. This is not going to happen. No one has ever succeeded in doing this, nor will they succeed now. Despite all that, in December of 2021, we made yet another attempt to reach an agreement with the United States and its allies on the principles of European security and NATO's non-expansion. Our efforts were in vain. The United States had not changed its position. It does not believe it necessary to agree with Russia on a matter that is critical for us. The United States is pursuing its own objectives while neglecting our interests. Putin then gives a historical example of not responding to aggressors as they were first expanding up to Russian borders. He goes on, as a result, the country was not prepared to counter the invasion by Nazi Germany, which attacked our motherland on June 22, 1941, without declaring war. The country stopped the enemy and went on to defeat it. But this came at a tremendous cost. The attempt to appease the aggressor ahead of the Great Patriotic War proved to be a mistake, which came at a high cost for our people. In the first months after the hostilities broke out, we lost vast territories of strategic importance as well as millions of lives. We will not make that mistake the second time. We have no right to do so. Even now, with NATO's eastward expansion, the situation for Russia has been becoming worse and more dangerous by the year. Moreover, these past days, NATO leadership has been blunt in its statement that they need to accelerate and step up efforts to bring their alliance's infrastructure closer to Russia's borders. In other words, they have been toughening their position. We cannot stay idle and passively observe these developments. This would be an absolutely irresponsible thing for us to do. This brings me to the situation in Donbass. We can see that the forces that staged the coup in Ukraine in 2014 have seized power, are keeping it with the help of ornamental election procedures, and have abandoned the path for a peaceful conflict settlement. For eight years, for eight endless years, we have been doing everything possible to settle the situation by peaceful political means. Everything was in vain. As I said in my previous address, you cannot look without compassion at what is happening there. It became impossible to tolerate it. We had to stop that atrocity, that genocide of millions of people who live there, who pinned their hopes on Russia, on all of us. It is their aspirations, the feelings and pain of the people, that were the main motivating force behind our decision to recognize the independence of the Donbass People's Republic. If we look at the sequence of events and the incoming reports, the showdown between Russia and these forces cannot be avoided. It's only a matter of time. They are getting ready and waiting for the right moment. Moreover, they went as far to aspire to acquire nuclear weapons. We will not let this happen. In this context, in accordance with Article 51, Chapter 7 
of the United Nations Charter with permission of Russia's Federation Council and in execution of the Treaties of Friendship and Mutual Assistance with Dunsk People's Republic and the Lugansk People's Republic ratified by the Federal Assembly. On February 22nd, I made a decision to carry out a special military operation. The purpose of this operation is to protect people who for eight years now have been facing humiliation and genocide perpetrated by the Kiev regime. To this end, we will seek to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, as well as bring to trial those who perpetrated numerous bloody crimes against civilians, including against citizens of the Russian Federation. Here are some excerpts from Putin's February 21st address. So I will start with the fact that modern Ukraine was entirely created by Russia, or to be more precise, the Bolshevik Communist Russia. This process started practically right after the 1917 revolution, and Lenin and his associates did it in a way that was extremely harsh on Russia by separating, severing what is historically Russian land. Nobody asked the millions of people living there what they thought. Then, both before and after the Great Patriotic War, World War II, Stalin incorporated in the USSR and transferred to Ukraine some lands that previously belonged to Poland, Romania, and Hungary. In the process, he gave Poland part of what was traditionally German land as compensation. And in 1954, Khrushchev took Crimea away from Russia for some reason and also gave it to Ukraine. In effect, this is how the territory of modern Ukraine was formed. The current leadership of the country does not react to the request of the people to cancel the laws that undermine the rights of the believers, and now they have new laws adopted again. So this is what a third world war might uh, get started over. A geographical area that was historically part of Russia might again become part of Russia. Devastating. Putin continues later in the speech, in March of 2021, Ukraine adopted a new military strategy based on the belief that this document is almost completely aimed at confrontation with Russia. Some of these translations are just difficult to nail down. They want to drag foreign states into the conflict with our country. The strategy suggests organizing Russian Crimea and Donbass as basically terrorist undergrounds, and it also outlines the possible war. We also heard statements about Ukraine's wanting to create its own nuclear power plant. That's not just an idle threat. We cannot help but react to this real threat, especially since I would like to retract that Western backers can help Ukraine with getting this weapon to create yet another threat to our democracy because we can see how consistently they are pumping Ukraine with weapons of mass destruction. We are well aware that last year, under the guise of war games, NATO countries' military contingents were deployed in Ukraine. The Ukrainian army is already integrated into NATO, which means that Ukrainian units have already been approved directly by the NATO headquarters. In other words, if Ukraine joins NATO, it would pose a direct threat to Russia's security. More than that, I will say something that I have never shared in public before. I first said it back in 2000 when President Clinton was visiting Moscow at the end of his term, and I asked him how America saw Russia joining NATO. 
So that's Putin's way of saying he has uh, extended his hand to the West going back to the year 2000. As they have previously done when they expanded NATO to the East, moving infrastructure and military infrastructure closer to our borders, ignoring our protests and warnings, they simply did whatever they deemed necessary and appropriate, and I believe they intend to continue doing so because they see us as dogs working at the caravan, which we have never agreed to and will never agree to. So the war is over, NATO's expansion eastward in violation of America's previous promises. Pat Buchanan says this in his books uh, going back to 1999. Vladimir Putin says this. This is clearly what's at stake here. Now, people will say, well, we can't just sit back and do nothing, but sometimes nothing is better than something terrible. Here is Pat Buchanan in his book Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War. Unlike Churchill in the 1930s, American leaders of the late 40s and 50s believed that while the fate of Poland and Czechoslovakia was tragic, both were beyond any U.S. vital interest. From 1949 to 1989, the American army never crossed the Yalta Line. When East Germans rose in 1953 and Hungarians in 1956, Eisenhower declined to act. In 1959, Ike welcomed the Butcher of Budapest to Camp David, while Khrushchev built the Berlin Wall, Kennedy called up the reserves, then sent them home after a year. In the Missile Crisis of 1962, Kennedy cut a secret deal to take U.S. missiles out of Turkey for Khrushchev's taking Russian missiles out of Cuba. When the Prague Spring was crushed in 1968, LBJ did nothing. U.S. inaction was not due to cowardice, but to cold calculation as to what was worth risking war with nuclear-armed Soviet Union and what was not worth risking war. When the Polish workers' movement Solidarity was crushed in 1981, Ronald Reagan denounced the repression, but he neither broke diplomatic relations with Warsaw nor imposed economic sanctions, and the Soviet Union still came crumbling down. This war is not necessary. If you go to NATO's website, you can look at their key events list as being created in 1949 and never invoking Article 5, which is the collective security article, saying that uh, basically an attack on Budapest is equivalent to an attack on Baltimore. Any nation is attacked, all nations respond as though it was their own land. From 1949 to 2001, they never invoke the article. So that was Mao, Stalin, Khrushchev, Pol Pot, all those people for all those years did not get a NATO response. So they had a lot of time to plan for 2001 when, if you go to their website, it says, large-scale terrorist attacks in New York and Washington, D.C. NATO invokes Article 5 for the first time ever and adopts a broader approach to security. So the first time they ever do it, having 52 years to plan for how this would go, they go to war in Afghanistan against the Taliban, spend trillions of dollars, tens of thousands of civilian lives, tens of thousands of guys with PTSD and women and children suffering, and the Taliban took over in 11 days after they left. So that is NATO's great accomplishment for the first large-scale war that they declared. 52 years, and uh, and, and that's, th that's what we're risking. All this risk for virtually no reward. Again, doing nothing is better than doing something terrible. So finally, we will hear 
Nancy Pelosi, and even Ben Shapiro say, well, of course we got to support Ukraine. Ukraine's a democracy. Uh, well, Russia, by the same metric, is also a democracy. But then they say, oh, well, Putin's so corrupt and buys off all the people that their elections aren't legitimate. So, without any evidence, they believe it's okay to question a presidential election. Okay, different story for a different show. Pat Buchanan gives a number of examples for uh, NATO member states that were never democratic. He gives the example of Spain under General Franco, Portugal under Dr. Salazar, Greece being under a colonel dictatorship from 1967 to 1974. He then says, whether a nation is democratic should be of less concern to us than how it views America. In the Cold War, autocratic Pakistan was a better friend than democratic India, which sided with Moscow in the Afghan War. Chile's Pinochet was a better friend than the elected demagogue Salvador Allende. The authoritarians in Seoul and Manila supported America in Vietnam, while France and Britain traded with the enemy. So, again, there, there's just no justification no economic justification, no moral one, no strategic one, and then the democratic one is also fake. Thank you for watching. Keith Knight, don't tread on anyone and the Libertarian Institute.